Fantastic. Everybody stand by as we uh, bring in our special guest tonight. We've got, of course, Rockin' Rick Pittman, and he's going to introduce our first-time guest here to the program. Rick, you want to go ahead and introduce our special guest? I do, and I, I uh, want to tell him that we are doing video. We are videoing, so that's going on. Uh, glad to be back on Omega Man Radio. Many of you know my story. I've told it a few times. Of I was uh, given up for adoption as an infant. It was a prearranged adoption, and I was adopted into a family, grew up in that family. The, my parents, the, my adopted parents died when I was 25 and 27, respectively, mother at 25, dad at 27. When I was 30, I went on a quest to find my natural father, my biological father. And lo and behold, he had lived in a town about 30 miles from me for most of my life. I was 30 years old. I found my father, and I found that I had a brother and two sisters. And my brother is this wonderful gentleman we're going to speak with tonight. His name's George Pittman. My real name was Pittman. You know me as Rick Bell because that was my adopted name, and I've used that my whole life. But I, when I found my dad and my family, I actually changed my name to uh, Pittman Bell. So that's my real name is Rick Pittman Bell. I don't usually use it on my legal documents because to change all of that, it's such a hassle. So this is my brother, George, and he has quite um, quite a pedigree of military work and things like that. So, George, I want to, uh, first of all, tell them what what you did in the military, uh, your, your rank, some of the things you did. Just give them an overview. And I'd wanna, I want to talk about how you came to, to want to do that because it's something you really have to want to do. Right. Well, I ended up getting – I had three uncles that were in the Army, and they were officers, and they helped me get an ROTC scholarship to college. Wow. So I started out in the infantry. I was with the 82nd Airborne Division, and – Within months of me uh, showing up to my my first unit, we deployed to Operation Desert Storm. So just just brief summaries, but uh, it was a, did infantry things. Uh, uh, they promoted me to an anti-tank platoon leader during the during Desert Storm. Anti-tank. Uh, anti-tank is what you said, right? Anti-tank platoon leader. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. So it was basically it was Humvees. We had anti-tank weaponry to basically to fight against tanks humvees versus tanks <laughs> yeah that's a good fight isn't it well who wins yeah, in that yeah. george <laughs> Typically. Well, it, it depends it depends it, really <laughs> depends. it depends on uh, who's he, driving the humvee huh <laughs> right right who, how fast how much how much fuel you have in your humvee <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense but uh after about four years in the infantry and several positions in the infantry as an officer I was promoted to captain, and I was branch detailed, meaning that they transferred me from the infantry in the Army to military intelligence, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which we affectionately refer to as an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> but you get, you get the idea. I get it. it. The, I had, a, I had a, a secret clearance, and then I had to get a top secret clearance to do the things that I did in military intelligence. And then I decided that at that point in time, I really didn't enjoy that, and I wanted to apply for Special Forces, and so went from there. 
and I earned my Green Beret. So you you earned your Green Beret in Special Forces. You were in military intelligence, but that was far too boring and mundane, right? You wanted to go and jump out of airplanes and do do crazy things, and and so you went. Yeah. What, what, what um, Green Berets are synonymous with the top, the best, the elite of the elite. Was it a, a, a terribly hard thing to do, George? Was it the hardest thing you've done in your life? Well, the, backing up a little bit, I, it, even as a, as a young man, that was, to me, that em, embodied the best of the best uh, of what I could be uh, was being in Special Forces. Right. So if I could earn my Green Beret, that would be the number one thing on my bucket list at that point in time in my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, later on, when I... I, as I learned more and I got older and wiser, I realized that my the young man's uh, assumptions about special forces weren't all correct, but it was, in fact, uh, a, a massive challenge, a massive undertaking, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally. It, it's a it's a big gut check. Well, let, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of it, George, because, as you know, Omega Man Radio is uh you know a christian show that that we do and we and our purpose in doing this my purpose is shannon knows and the listeners know is to to train people in how to do spiritual warfare through the boxing and the training that i've done and we call it the holy ghost gym so you mentioned it it really checks your spiritual thing when you're in the green beret elaborate on that a little bit in the training how did it affect it what was your position going into the green berets as far as your spirituality your your christianity where were you with that well i like to think i like to believe that i've always been a christian now i haven't always walked as closely with the lord as i should have or would have liked to but as we grow we go through different phases in our lives and it really depends on at what point you're at in your life and where your foundation, how are you grounded in God? Do you have a solid foundation in God or is it, is it fickle? Will it change depending on what's popular mm-hmm. in culture? Right. Um, and I think the way you and I were both wired is mm-hmm. that at a certain point, Peer pressure no longer worked on us. Right. That's true. It, right. it, it was just, we were almost immune to peer pressure. It was more of, there was something in us that drove us to succeed, to excel, to right. push our past what a normal person in limits are. Right. Well, that was what, you know, we took different uh, directions to get there, mm-hmm. but that's eventually where we ended up uh, in, in our own separate journeys. For me, um, just to give you an idea, and I'll try to describe it, but before you can take part in Special Forces training, you have to make it through Special Forces selection. Okay. Now, the selection course, what they're looking for, <clears throat> excuse me, is a specific, a specific type of individual. Uh, they're not looking for Rambo. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for what you might think by watching movies. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for assassins. Mm-hmm. They're looking literally for someone who can, one, uh, work well, as an individual mm-hmm. in other words they can they can lead mm-hmm. uh, or if if nobody else is around they can be counted on or depended on to accomplish the task well be a team player in thing, other words be right. a, be a well, team well, player either one well actually this is 
actually before the team player, they have to know that this person can hack it as an individual. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if nobody else is available, one person can accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So they're looking for the, the individual. Then they're looking for the team player. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for a person that has the combination of those skills. They can either lead the team or be the lowest member on the team and still affect the accomplishment of the mission. Christians, and that's a unique. Christians, I want you to listen to what he's saying right now. This is directly applicable to being a Christian. The same thing, it's warfare. We're in warfare out there, George. So as a Christian, not everyone's a preacher. Not everyone gets up in the pulpit. Some people are behind the scenes working, but there may come a time when those behind the scenes worker workers have to take that lead position in a war. Go ahead, George. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to interject that. It's a good point. No, no, that, that's, that's fine. And that, and that is a, it's a very good point. It's, it's uh, they're looking for people with a certain set of what we call as Christians gifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you don't know your gifts walking into special forces selection, you will by the time it's over. Wow. That's because good. Because you're going to be tested as an individual and you're going to be tested as a member of a team and I, I and i can't go into specifics of the training and how the training is set up but they they push you to your limits uh they want to see how you're going to react under stress they want to want to see how you react with no positive or negative reinforcement nobody's hollering at you uh, nobody's telling you you did a good job and i saw people that i assumed just by looking at uh would be really good at this because they look like they were like bodybuilders mm-hmm. or you know like or, like the rambo type yeah. like they could look like they could do anything right and right. within within three days they melt mentally i mean they literally could not they could not handle uh not being told how great they were that, that, that was nobody it. was stoking their ego so they quit that's literally what happened my goodness and so so it just kind of gives you a picture into that but even though there were so many people who were really good at, at so many different things, when it's all said and done, this three-week selection course at the end, there was, I think it was less than 20% were selected wow. to move forward to attend Special Forces training. Goodness. So, so you're talking about they want the cream of the crop for what they're looking for. And that's the now, cream of the crop that even goes to selection. That's the top of the top right there, just to get to selection, right? Now, now you'll have some people that somehow got there that aren't really the cream of the crop. <laughs> but, you, you know, but <laughs> no. you'll have some that squeak through. Yeah. But they, those are things are weeded out mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly mm-hmm. because they want um, – well, just to give you an idea – the, the worst day I had in special operations was better than the best day I had in the conventional military because I never had to babysit anyone. All of my guys could do my job just as good as I can, I could, and vice versa. Well, I don't know that I could do their job as well as they could, but yeah. I had to be able to do yeah. what they did. Right. So there was this transfer of earned respect between us Mm -hmm. and the process of that and it was just it was like being around the most well it literally was being around the cream of the crop the best of american military and in the army for me was was that uh special forces Mm -hmm. uh those 
little over four years that I spent with Special Forces wow. because of the caliber of character mm-hmm. and professionalism of each soldier. And that brings you up. The people you surround yourself with are either going to, you're going to gravitate toward their level. If they're above you, you're going to come up. If they're below you, you're going to be pulled down. And that's, that's very important to know is, as Christians, as we move forward, the people you surround yourself with, be very careful of that because their input on you is definitely contagious. So you did, and I know, George, for the listeners, George can't talk about all of the things he did. It's, it's, uh, com- it's classified. Obviously, it's uh, top secret stuff. But one of the things, I don't know if you can talk about when you did your scuba stuff. Can you, can you talk about what you did? Or not, not specifically, <laughs> just that right. you did. Well, just, I mean... There, there's, um, there's a, there's a big difference between the type of training that I did, and and special forces. I uh, went to the special forces underwater operations center. That's so it. I was a special forces combat diver. Uh, what the Navy SEALs do at their buds training yes. is 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 much different. Okay. They that is, that's kind of like um, the ultimate gut check, mm-hmm. um, just shy of like. Uh, Delta Force or the other name they they go by. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> their selection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, these are uh, these are all gut checks to see if you can hack it. But for me, uh, I I got out after about eleven years because my body was starting to deteriorate. But before I had attended scuba school, and uh, I think it was ninety seven, um, I had made it through. Uh, all the officer courses, which weren't that really that hard, but I'd attended airborne school and air assault school as a cadet in college. Wow. Uh, I attended ranger school as an officer, uh, all these different courses, special forces selection, special forces qualification course. And not one time at any point in time in my military career, did I ever have to recycle a school. In other words, I made it on the first attempt. And that was pretty unusual. Most people it, at the harder schools, it takes one or two or three tries right. uh, in addition right. to the first attempt. Right. The right. only school that I was really scared of was scuba school. And I don't have a heart of fear. Right. I don't have a spirit of fear. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't spook easy. But I'd heard so many stories about how difficult and challenging it was. I knew it was going to be a test. So I tried to prepare myself as good as I could for it. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I had a torn meniscus in both knees, so I was kind of disabled good. before I ever got there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, at the time I was uh, right, right at 30 years old, yeah. and I've got these young guys. I called them kids because mm-hmm. they were 17, 18, 19 years old. Right, para jumpers from the Air Force. All these young bucks running around, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> full of vinegar and yeah, you know everything. the other thing. Yeah, I do. But uh, but I mean, they were just great shape, and here, I, you know, I'm effectively an old guy to these these guys. Yeah, old man. I was, this, I was the oldest person at scuba school oh in terms of a student. Gosh, I was just, I was the senior ranking officer, which is a nice way of saying it. that's the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it it wore my butt out. I mean, mm-hmm. they you burned so many calories that they fed us four times a day <laughs> in the in the mess hall. Oh, wow. As opposed to three. Uh, but the, the, it's literally, they want to see, uh, if you're going to panic, 
like like if you're about to drown most people would panic uh, they don't want to they don't want somebody that's going to panic when they're drowning because you might oh of course not uh, <laughs> i'm not going to panic but, when we're drowning no. <laughs> of course not. yeah but i mean seriously yeah. if, if you're with a group and you panic yeah. that panic might cause everybody else in that group to, to perish right uh, they have they check you at depth to see if you're gonna um, be affected by the pressure at, at depth. Yeah. Because some people wig out. Yeah. Uh, at, at depth. Yeah. And they test in a in a chamber in a safe area to see if you're gonna do that before you get underwater that could hurt. You know. So there's all these things. But I actually had a shallow water blackout during scuba school, uh, which means I, if if nobody would have gotten me out for the bottom of the pool i would have drowned and died but it was during a task i had a a, a mask a dive mask on uh with a duct tape covering it so i was blind i couldn't see anything and i was breathing off of an open circuit set of twin 80 scuba tanks um and i was on my knees on the bottom and i was going through it was a troubleshooting drill uh where they try to m a mimic You've been in the dark, you know, middle of the night, the bottom of the ocean, uh, doing troubleshooting things. If something goes wrong and, and you can't get air, mm -hmm. you know, reaching back, trying to make sure your air's on, all these things. Well, try to make uh, make the story a little shorter. Uh, I was trying to remove my tanks after the instructor had pulled the regulator out of my mouth and tied it in a knot on the manifold for the tanks that were behind my back. And you didn't know head. he was going to come and pull it out and tighten it in a knot? No, no, they, they, no, they weren't supposed to take your regulator out of your mouth oh. until they saw that you took a breath of air. Gotcha. Well, well, I had just exhaled, mm. and and he pulled the regulator. So I was already, you know, yeah. I was already effectively out of air. So I didn't have much oxygen to work with, and I couldn't undo the, the regulator. He tied it in a knot. In the, around the manifold so I was taking the tanks off over my head and I was going to pull them down in front of me to breathe off of the, the manifold you can just literally crack uh, crack open the uh, the air right, and breathe. breathe the bubbles if you hold your mouth above it mm -hmm. over it so I was in the process of trying to do that but because I couldn't see I didn't realize that my chest strap didn't come off all the way so my arms were pinned above my head mm. with, my, with the tanks above me mm -hmm. so I couldn't come to the surface I couldn't get the tanks off of me, and I was out of air. Mm. So I gave the out of air signal, and it was literally like an old television set when you turn it off, and it goes, it's like a, a ball of light that goes from wide, and it kind of zeroes into the center and blip. That's when it goes fading out. out. It's, it, fading out. Fading out. That's what I did. I faded out, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm resuscitated on the deck of this swimming pool, at uh, at the training facility, and I'm like, wow, you know, they're, yeah. they're pumping the water <laughs> what out happened? of my lung. <laughs> so uh, they're like, well, you're going to have to go back in and do it again. And I was like, okay, but they said before that, we need to get you checked out to make sure you don't have water in your lungs and all this stuff. So I had to go to the aid station, and there was a civilian, I think the Department of Defense civilian there, and the the the, the civilian didn't understand how I could get to the point to where I would have drowned. In other words, he's like, why didn't you just come to the surface? And I was trying to explain to him, when, when you're so focused on your task as a, as a special operator, uh, it's what we call each other, you know, special operators, 
you're, you have different missions that require 100% focus in order to complete. And your focus becomes so uh, acute. I mean, you're, just, you're, you're, you're on it. it. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's so acute that you could literally perish mm-hmm. uh, in the process of trying to accomplish that goal. Uh, and I gave him an example of room clearing. There, you know, there have been times where, uh, as special operators are, you know, just in training, mm-hmm. but especially on a live event when they're actually trying to rescue a hostage. Yes. And let's say one of those guys that, you know, they're kicking the doors in and they're clearing rooms. One of those guys might catch a round, a bullet, in between uh, where his vest comes together. Yes, yeah. And, and rather than tell everybody on his team, like, I'm, I've been shot, which was you know, the common thing to say, mm-hmm. or to fall down, no. They're so focused that they ignore it. They ignore the pain. They, it, they, just, they just focus on the task and nothing else. It's like the adrenaline is so high. It's like they know they've been shot, but they don't have time to worry about bleeding to death. And this guy's eyes got real big and his jaw dropped. He, had, he could not comprehend. And I think one of the, and I don't know who actually who said it, but and it's not an actual, I'm not actually reading a quote. I'm just trying to remember what it is. But they're, they're like, the term hero is a word that's used by people who don't understand uh, the, the level of dedication that extraordinary men have. In other words, it's a term they use because they don't understand. Can't relate to it. That, that's, they can't, can't, right, can't right. relate They can't relate. It. So they call those people heroes. And um, Well, you know, and, but, and Shannon, um, I know you're listening to this, and I'm about to bring you in to comment because I, I know you are hearing what I'm hearing. The very things that George is explaining about the focus on the mission when all hell is breaking loose around you, you maintain that focus. It's the same way a fighter is trained. George and I had this conversation that when you're hit, you're trained to continue to fight. You don't just fall down. If you do, you'll lose. You'll never win a fight because you're going to get hit. But you train so hard and so hard and so hard and all that running, running miles and miles and miles a day, get you to where you are conditioned. It's called conditioning. When you start training for a fight, you'll start training eight weeks, 12 weeks out. Those first, the first week, your head feels like somebody has put an axe in it because you're sparring and you're getting headshot. You're getting hit in the head. You're not used to that yet. You have to get in shape. By the second week, those headshots don't hurt. You roll with the, you just roll it, and it doesn't even hurt. By fight time, you're going hit me, hit me. I need to be hit. I like it because you're conditioned to keep on fighting. The same thing in spiritual warfare. When the enemy comes at you, it's going to feel sometimes like hell is breaking loose, a tsunami. You have to keep your cool. You have to know what you know. The Bible says, I know in whom I have believed, and I am fully persuaded he's able to keep all those things I've committed to him for that day. You as a Christian have to know your weapons, know how to use them, but the time to do that to train is not when you're in the middle of the mission, as my brother George says. The time for that is in training. Shannon, I'm going to bring you in to make any comments and things that you're hearing with this. Go ahead, Shannon. Well, gentlemen, I tell you, I'm very excited and honored to be here with you tonight. And for those just joining us, we're live with Rockin' Rick Pittman and his brother, George Pitbull Pittman. 
former special forces. And, you know, I love this interview you're doing tonight, Rick, because we're looking at the making of a warrior. Yes. What to be in the special forces. And as you mentioned, this is applicable to the special forces of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he is recruiting for right now, folks, for war on the saints that is coming. Mm -hmm. And what is coming has never occurred before at this level on planet Earth. Satan is actually going to come down, knowing his time is short, make war on the saints to even wear them out. And Jesus talked about a group, an elite group, who are able to weather the storm. They're called overcomers. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto the death. And they're facing certain death if the enemy gets their hands on them and they refuse to take the coming mark of the beast. Now, withstanding the Lord rescuing people first, if we're here at that time, folks, we're going to go through literal war like you've never seen, war on the saints from the host of hell. And you and I want to get trained up in this time right now. Yes. So that begin to go through the roughage, we can finish the race and get to the objective, which is go all the way, not deny Christ, and let God be able to use us in this time to win souls, set the captives free. And so I'm excited to hear more of this story. Rock, Rock and Rick, continue on, my brother. Well, the purpose of, of doing this, we have a um, we have a podcast called Pitbull Patriots. And what our mission, what we're trying to do, you know, you know what I do, Shannon, is try to take what I learned as a fighter and that tenacity and that focus and apply it to spiritual warfare and try to get people ready to fight because the fight is here. The thing we've been talking about for five years on this radio show is happening. It's in front of us. My brother George has this training that people, uh, you know, it's legendary, the whole Green Beret thing. And George and I mentioned, I want to train Green Berets for God. Literally, Green Berets for God. People get training so that they'll be able to stand in that evil time. So, Pitbull Patriots is about the connection in what's happening in the, the real world, the United States, where we are, and the godly. See, the war is really in the heavenlies, as you know, Shannon, but it manifests itself in the earthly plane, the, that realm where we live. So we have a podcast, and I encourage you to find it anywhere, uh, iTunes or any, wherever your podcast um, you, provider is. Pit Bull Patriots. It's two T's, P-I-T-T-B-U-L-L, Patriots, plural, dot com. Also the website, same thing, pitbullpatriots.com is the website. The, the uh, podcast is just Pitbull Patriots. But that's the tie-in that we're looking for. And we want to talk tonight about, about Donald Trump and the deep state and what is really going on with all of that. I'll give you a quick... I got a phone call, or actually a text, just before we went on the air tonight, Shannon, and it was from a friend of mine. I, I live in Central Texas, as you know, near Austin, where you used to, to live in Austin. You know there are a lot of lakes around here, Shannon, a lot, a lot of lakes. And they're, they're not huge lakes. 
average size, great recreational and fishing lakes. Friend of mine, text me a picture of their boat. They have a boat and they're out on the lake today and there is a Trump a parade of boats. You know, they're doing these parades all over the country with these boats. Well, my friend is in one and she took pictures and showed me their boat and the, it, the whole thing's a big Trump advertisement. It's wrapped that says Trump. And then she showed me video of all of these boats and I asked her, do you have any idea how many boats are in this parade? This is on one lake in Texas that's about, uh, you know, uh, 10 minutes from me. She said, well, all I know is a thousand of the boats signed up. A th Amazing. A thousand, Shannon. Now, what does this mean? I've, I've been, you know, following politics probably since the 80s when i woke up and said oh there's something called voting i guess i need to do that maybe it'll <laughs> maybe it'll make a difference in my life and i've never in my life shannon seen a president the lord spoke to me when donald trump was elected before he even was sworn in and he said and my brother knows this i started out as a ted cruz guy i i wanted to you know he's from texas i thought well he's the guy but then when donald trump i kept listening to him and it became apparent that this guy's going to drain the swamp i mean really drain the swamp so the lord told me after he was elected he said donald trump is going to going to go down in history as one of the best presidents of the united states in the history of the country now that was a tall tall order to say but i have to say shannon people love donald trump l-o-v-e have you ever seen anything like these rallies? I don't know if you watch them, Shannon. You may be on the air all the time, but you probably see bits and pieces of these people chanting, we love you. This is this is a phenomenon, and, and George can speak to that a little bit because that specifically affected him. George, tell them, if you would, about the escalator ride when really your life changed with, with all of this stuff. Well... I, I was I had gone through some spiritual warfare in my personal life, but uh, I just I just it was, you know my heart was heavy. Uh, there was a lot going on, and then uh, Donald Trump makes the announcement. He comes down the golden escalator at Trump Towers. Twenty sixteen, right? Twenty sixteen. Uh, twenty twenty fifteen, I believe. Was it end of fifteen? It, it, it was it was it was either the end of fifteen or the right beginning of twenty sixteen. Yeah. But he comes down the escalator, basically throwing his hat in the ring for the uh, Republican nomination for president. And I knew, I, it's like I just, I, time stopped. I knew right then and there, this was it. Because not only was he a businessman, he had the, um, what's a, a good word for it? He had the male biology. <laughs> yeah, the chutzpah. We'd say the chutzpah. Yeah, yeah. He, he had the intestinal fortitude mm -hmm. to stand up to the deep state and to the the media and to do what was right regardless of what anybody else said mm -hmm. you know you, you have to he, he had thick skin he was a fighter yes. I, and i knew it and i knew i was like this guy if this guy it was like i didn't have to watch the debates i didn't have to follow the news i knew this was the guy for me right and i knew if this guy could win if he could beat cankles <laughs> who i call Hillary Clinton, 
the <laughs> the Porky Pig ankles, cankles. Anyway, uh, if he could beat cankles, that you know, Killary, that this would fundamentally change the 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 future of the United States. Because if it if he if he didn't if he didn't win, and it was going to be game over. And let me for, at least for humanity. And you knew some things, and we can't necessarily talk about them on the all of them on the air. But you knew some things about the Obama administration and some of the behind the scenes things that had gone on and and things that were done. And you knew what we were really facing if she got in there. Well, right. What 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 had happened was, I mean, keep in mind, you you know my background. Yes. Being, uh, but but I didn't learn about these those things that you mentioned uh, until after I was out of the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I realized the extent to which these people perpetuate evil, yes, uh, it, it shook my core. I, it, I mean, I literally wept on my hands and knees, praying to God, telling me, you know, what do you, what can I do? Tell me, point me in the right direction. I mean, I'm, I'm not young anymore, but I'll strap on my gear and go kick down doors to rescue children. Yes. You, I mean, I, I was just crying. I was like, my God, I never, I never, I never put two and two together that abortions are sacrifices to Moloch. It's all about a quota for, for, to give them power. I mean, the, what right. we see in the news is, I mean, it, it's absurd, but it's, it's, uh, it's spiritual sleight of hand. There you go. Okay, it, that's it's, right. It's it's uh, it's it's to distract you. It's a diversion from what's really going on. It's it's all the purpose of it is to keep us from coming together, from unifying, and 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 all that military training came back to me where it was like one of those pivotal moments in my military careers when they said they asked us how do you identify yourselves, and I had to think about it. You know, I was like, I wasn't prepared for that question. How do I identify myself as uh, a man? You know, no, but people were saying, uh, using uh, uh, ethnic things, ethnic terms, religious things. Like I, I'm Hispanic uh, or I'm right, you know, right, whatever. Right, right. Uh, whatever. Um, and he said, you're all wrong. He said, you're all Americans. And he said, if we could focus on that which we, you know, that, that which we have in common, as opposed to what makes us different imagine what we could accomplish and that's that's well that's where we're at in a nutshell the enemy does not want us unifying because if we just focused on our 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 common values which is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness Mm -hmm. i mean if you can't agree on those three things you have no business being in this country in the first place Amen. amen now now you add children to that where we're nobody should steal the innocence from a child in any form or fashion. And I think those are four things that you could run on for president of the United States any year, good you know, have. and people would, people could have come on board with that platform. Okay. If you were sincere, but, uh, you know, those were the things that, that, you know, that are coming back to me. But when I realized all that, all this was happening, I knew that we had to fight like he double hockey stick mm-hmm. and in order to fight it, it, it couldn't be just us and it like i said it, all that military training back came back came back to me and i realized that god made me he made you he made other people uh with gifts he allowed us to to 
past the threshold that normal people don't ever reach and continue going. Yes. Uh, so, so he put that in us. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, you could be a six-year-old little girl with a heart for God and be better at combating spiritual warfare than I am at 53 years old. Amen. That's good, George. That's right, brother. That's And that's the whole of – and wherever you are, listen, you use what you have. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. To get prepared, we always try to give solutions when we, we talk about these things. You have to be trained. You have to inundate yourself with as much of this type of teaching as you can. Fortunately, for a while anyway, we live in the age of the Internet. And we can go to YouTube. We can go and find on Bright Eon. That's where they don't censor. They don't take things down. And you can find all kinds of teachings about spiritual warfare and start to recognize what your gifts are. And people say, well, what is spiritual warfare? How do I do that? People are calling me and reaching out often because I'm, I do deliverance. I'm a deliverance minister. And I get quite a, quite a few calls and contacts about that. The point of doing deliverance ministry on a person from, with my ministry is to train them to do self-deliverance. The deliverance minister identifies the issues the person's having through discernment of spirits and words, gifts of knowledge, words of knowledge that began to pour into me. I, I think I've told you the story, George, before that uh, the very first night I did Omega Man many years ago, it was supposed to be an hour-long show, Shannon. Do you remember we went three hours and, and 20 minutes? It was a, a marathon, but the Lord started to speak things through me, through th things I, people were calling in, and I would uh, prophesy and have, have things, say things to them. Well, that began, the Bible says, by reason of use, your senses are exercised. So when I began to use that gift, it, it started to grow and grow. But when people call me for deliverance, my mission, I, and I've learned this, you learn through experience, you, after you've been in some battles, you learn what works and what doesn't. What has to happen with deliverance, people have to learn how to close their own doors and keep them closed. You need a deliverance minister to point some things out to you. Shannon, jump in here right after this. But the deliverance minister cannot go home with you and sit next to you on the couch, and every time a demon comes, cast it out and block it and all that. You have to learn to do that. That's the toughening up part that we talk about. And you are going to have to crucify some of your flesh to do that. Like the training that George is talking about, the, the Holy Ghost gym that I'm talking about, there is a sacrifice, but you have to get in shape. Shannon, you want to add to that? I just want to say again, I'm honored to be here with you tonight, Rick and George, uh, two warriors for Christ. And um, what you're saying is so true and applicable to every one of us right now. Folks, we are going into hell on earth. We've got a brute force attempt right now by the globalists and communists to take our country down, take our president out, and they want to come in and destroy every last one of our freedoms. And when I look at uh, the root of this, it's spiritual wickedness in high places. These evil, wicked men and women are full-on demonized. And um, 
Whereas in the old days, I would just have, you know, reached for the gun instead of the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was not far from maybe building a militia in 2005. Mm-hmm. I was a gun dealer, mm-hmm. businessman. I had plenty of resources at my disposal. And I was building a personal arsenal. And I was ready to take on the New World Order, at least do my part. <laughs> right. And the Lord and said, um, basically, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. And God was telling me he wanted me to embrace the cross and who can make war on the beast in the flesh? I had to learn. Now, there comes a time where you're going to have to defend your family if, you know, Antifa and BLM want to knock on your door. And I will we'll do it. No questions asked. But when I think think back at, uh, at one time, I thought, you know, we were going to be able to win this just, you know, fight the new world order hands on it won't work we're out gunned we're outnumbered yeah but we can't uh with spiritual weapons and that's at the root of all these people whether it be wicked hillary you know george soros all these organizations like bill and melinda gates that want to put a kill shot in our arms mm-hmm. they full of demons and they they work for satan who will soon be on the scene with his antichrist to try to force us all to bow down and take his mark and worship the beast. And how are we going to fight this thing? We're going to fight it using spiritual weapons and tactics and strategy. And you mentioned, um, you know, how uh, George, y'all were corrected uh, when everybody was trying to identify, you know, some of them, you know, hey, I'm a, african-american or i'm this ethnic background and you know the instructor said no we're all americans and you're right and um folks to the body of believers out there we're all supposed to be the church the army of god right we're the first lines against this and if the church doesn't stand up in this time who's gonna stop these hosts of hell and i thank god for the patriots some are christians some are not i thank god for mike adams as you mentioned runs brideon by the way They've got a spinoff. It's called Brideon.Social, which is a take on Facebook. Just launched a few days ago. I went over and set up my free account. Encourage everybody to do that. I don't know whether he knows Christ or not, but he knows what time it is. And um, to American patriots, to the Christian church who know what time it is, if we don't muster now and begin to fight back, binding and loosing, doing spiritual warfare, uh, it's all lost. And sadly, gentlemen, I want to make one more comment here um, that Jesus talks about before he returns, there'll be a great falling away. Yeah. It's the falling away. It's not those that aren't saved. They're already in fallen status, folks. It's lukewarm believers or that were not prepared for battle, that underestimated, underestimated the enemy did not know what it means to endure till the end. You know, one of the things I respect the most, George, about uh, special forces training, and I've talked to a few people that had, you know, uh, maybe went through ranger school or getting ready to, and they were telling me what they may have to go through. And I watched some of the documentaries, and people that make it through these schools like you, George, are just amazing because, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the things they test to see is uh, if you can make it with sleep deprivation. That's and correct. You might be going on two hours of sleep a night, and on top of that, you got to go through classroom tank training, maybe with the lights dimmed down. Um, you know, then you've got to get out there and you've got to perform and go through your maneuvers and drills, and you still got to pass the test. 
And I'm trying to think, man, would I cut it? I don't do too well if I get less than six hours. But imagine days on end, and many people don't make it. Do you fall asleep, you're out. Uh, but those that do, they've been proven, tested to be able to go through intense struggles and difficulties, and they complete the objective. They don't quit. They either get to the finish line or they die in battle trying, but they don't quit. And God is expecting the same from the church today. Otherwise, we're going to be that group that when the going gets rough, and it already is heating up, they're going to tap out, curse God and die, get angry. You know, uh, George and Rick, have you noticed the number of people apostatizing? Even in the pulpit, praise teams, I'm hearing about one a month that just come out and they say, you know, I just don't believe in God anymore. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? Uh, Shannon, it's, it's, it's possible because they're supporting Black Lives Matter and other communist organizations from the pulpit. They're encouraging their people to take a knee for the national anthem and pay reparations. Let me say this right now. I've got to get this off my chest. Any, any preacher, any so-called pastor who will stand in a pulpit and tell his people that we need to uh, support Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. Take the word black out. All, put the word all. A-L-L. Number one, it is completely contrary to the teachings of the Bible. Let me just give you one little scripture. You can look this up and highlight it in yellow. I encourage you to do that. And it is, the Apostle Paul said, we need to forget the things behind us and press forward for the high calling to which we're called. He said, forget the things. We can't do anything about what was done 75 years ago, Shannon. We can't do anything about what was done 75 minutes ago. It's done. So now we have to press forward. And any Christian who is a Christian loves people. There's no hatred in their heart. For a pastor to stand in a pulpit and tell his people, you need to support Black Lives Matter, you, that, that is uh, uh, ridiculous, George. George? What, what, one thing I'd like to say is that um, <clears throat> hopefully people will get this, but what you're seeing when you're talking about these ones and one and two uh, pastors or whoever, religious so-called leaders that stand up uh, and seem to back globalism to include the Pope himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. I want to let you. I want to let you in on a little secret. Uh, remember me talking about the spiritual sleight of hand. Yes. The, the 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 truth is, the truth is, and this is the honest to God truth. We outnumber these people by a huge margin. What their, their attempts to do this. It's a distraction. It's a diversion from what I call the demoralization of America. They are trying to force ordinary Americans, whether they're Christians or not, but love each other. Just good people. Maybe maybe they don't have this the best, uh, you know, faith or even go to church, but they're they have good hearts. Mm -hmm. They're, they're uh, they can they still have the capacity to come to God. But the, the enemy wants to take their hope away. They want to disarm them of the, the armor of God that's in Ephesians that they might have a piece of from a friend who's a Christian, and they picked up on that. So they're wearing one piece of armor uh, and doing the best they can because they're, they're not educated. But 
But that's what this is. And if we can unify, if we can come together through the blood of Christ, there is nothing that we can do. And the enemy knows it. And that, my friend, is what they are scared of. You said it right, Brother Shannon. You want to comment? You know, it was some years ago, we used to have a thing called the Million Man Army. Yes. Men of God that cared about our country of America, cared about families. What happened to this army? Folks, warriors are very scarce in these days. And if we do not unify, as you gentlemen talk about, come together as the body of Christ, it's going to be lost. And we're going to lose many more people out there to the attacks of the enemy that are coming. And we've got to prepare ourselves with the warrior mindset. Be ready to die if that's what it takes to achieve the mission goal. I know, gentlemen, both of you uh, are warriors. Rick, I know you are a law enforcement police officer and a, and a professional boxer, mm-hmm. uh, martial mm-hmm. artist. George, I'm hearing your testimony tonight, special forces. Both of you knew that in the line of duty, you got to be prepared to take a bullet if that's what it takes. Yeah. You were not going to run when the enemy begins to fire, go AWOL in the day of battle, and yet that's what we see in the church, uh, where the church leaders should be preparing people to endure to the end, to do what Jesus did, to cast out devils, to have faith, even in adversity, like the underground church has to demonstrate over in China and Hong Kong and uh, North Korea. Over there, you pay a real price for being a Christian. And yet people do it knowing that they may lose their lives. Yeah. Go to jail for life or have an AK-47 pointed at them and fired. That's what real Christians undergo overseas. Yet we have no concept of that in America. And we've got many jellyback leaders out there who will give their power over to the beast, that will bow their knee to the pope, that will bow their knee to the Black Lives Matter. And let me tell you, black lives do matter. And so if you want to stop the death of black lives and stop abortions, Amen. that's the number one black lives. But we don't see people out there picketing abortion centers. They embrace it. And it's not about um, color. It, these groups have one goal, and that's to destroy America, our moral backbone. They hate the cross. They hate patriots. They burn flags and burn Bibles. They rape, kill, steal, destroy. This is rebellion, and God does not wink at it. Their judgment's coming. But the judgment's coming on those in the church who will not report for battle. You know, gentlemen, I want to say one more thing. God looked for men in times past, and many times he couldn't find anybody. There was one group that did not show up in the day of battle. They were called Maraz. The Lord needed them, and they didn't show up for battle. There were lives lost because they were not there to help their brothers and sisters who were under attack by the enemies of Israel. And the angel of the Lord says in the word, curse ye Miraz, curse ye Miraz, because they came not to the help of the Lord, came not to the help of the Lord against the mighty. And we've got some in the church like that right now. They should be standing and sounding the alarm. They should be praying for our leaders, praying for our country, yet they'll curse President Trump and throw him under the bus. Or they'll get out there and you know, they won't do anything. They'll look the other way. There's still some, though, that got balls out there. I thank God for John MacArthur, yeah. who kept his church open under extreme threats and duress. And sadly, about 24 hours ago, gentlemen, I heard that um, 
the mayor over there and the local government got an order against him that he'll comply with their rules or they're going to fine him a thousand dollars a day and he said we ought to obey god rather than man i stand with him there's not many men and women out there and left that will make a stand in this hour but hopefully some of you will and we got to get trained up i remember rick when we met the lord put a burden on your heart that is carried to this day to get people trained up to take him to the Holy Ghost gym. Yes. George and I got that same burden. No wonder you gentlemen are brothers. I'm looking at you on camera. You, like, <laughs> you can tell there's a slight, slight resemblance. Shannon, listen, we are so much alike. Uh, it, it, if you, as you get to know George, you'll just, he's a carbon copy. We are carbon copies of each other. We took the same we had parallel lives, and if you only knew all of the backstory of how parallel it is, you'd fall out of your chair, Shannon. But it it just everything we've done is parallel. We had I don't know why, but we had this tenacity to, to to achieve these things that normal people didn't achieve. And I I never knew anyone like myself who had taken this path and done all these crazy things and been successful at all of them until I ran into George. And he's, oh, yeah, by the way, (laughs) and there's so many things we don't even can't even talk about that that he's done. But, yeah, we're we're just alike. We have a heart to do this and we've we're going to team up. And our our dad just passed away. I want to say that our dad passed away on August the 8th and it's been a. Um, it's been tough for us, Shannon, but we're doing this in for our dad. Okay, our dad was a, 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 a well uh, to say he was a, a staunch conservative would be quite the understatement. But we are we're going to spend what time and energy and resources we have to try to get people ready. We love people. The Lord showed me two things today when I was praying, uh, getting ready for this, Shannon. He spoke this to me. You, you ask a question, Shannon, you said, how did we get here? How did this happen? This is the answer. The Lord told me, gradual indoctrination and incremental desensitization, little by little, line upon line we give a little here and it becomes a little bit more this didn't happen overnight this has been being prepared for decades the the plan was in the thing about our enemy is he is patient he's he'll wait he doesn't have to have an answer tomorrow he'll do the leg the groundwork and prepare it and the setup was in if clinton hillary clinton had moved into that white house right behind barack obama it was over o-v-e-r for us and they were really celebrating that they knew because barack obama had teed it up and when she got in she would have knocked the thing out of the park as far as the radical transformation of this country that obama promised when he ran for office he was going to radically transform the united states of america he started but he needed eight more years to to finish because you know why the american people would not go for it all it had to be gradual indoctrination and incremental desensitization american people wouldn't go for it so they gave him a little at a time took him eight years but he needed eight more to get us all the way to the fema camps and that's all I've got to say about that. Don't even get me going on my soapbox, George. Well, what I would say is that there might be people out there listening who are who are thinking to themselves, what can I do? 
In other words, I, I, I want to, I want to be better. I want to improve myself. I want to, I, I might even want to be, uh, an angel of the Lord. I want, I might want to work for God and help other people. Uh, you know, so there might be people out there. My answer to that was, is is if you're asking yourself, what can you do? I would, I would ask you, like we talked about, what are your gifts? Uh, what has God made you good at doing Mm -hmm. is, you know, focus on those gifts. But before you can actually be put to work, my recommendation would be that you've got to address the things that are separating you from God. And that would be substance abuse, uh, any kind of barriers in your life, uh, like maybe things that compromises that you've made, like you were talking about the, the bit by bit, if you've compromised your morals and values, reassess them, uh, you know, focus on, not just what are yours, but what are God's standards, okay, and, and try to implement that. And then if you're still not sure what God wants you to do, ask him. Ask him. Be specific. Pray about it. And and continually work on yourself so that you can be a better servant of God. And, and to add to that, that is exactly right, George. The things you described, the addictions, and the, the those are called demonic strongholds. That's what Shannon will tell you we have been preaching about for five years on this. Get your addictions under control right before it's too late to do anything right now. That is the key. The other thing I would say to add to what you said, which was beautiful, learn to hear the voice of God. Like George just said, ask God, let him tell you. But you're going to have to learn to hear his voice. Now, what is, is it going to be like on a loudspeaker? You're going to audibly hear a voice? No, that's what most people look for, and they think that's what it has to be, or it's not God. There's going to be a gentle, quiet knowing in your spirit when you start hearing from God. And you're going to have to test those things to see, well, was that really from God? He will give you information sometimes, and you will need to step out on a limb with someone and say, this is what I'm feeling I'm hearing from God. I may be missing it all, but does this mean anything to you? Let them give you feedback, and you'll start to see that amazingly, the things that you're hearing are going to be coming from God. Now, you're going to be hearing other things telling you what to do, and that's that dark side that's going to coax you into the the wrong way. But by reason of use, your senses are exercised. So start to listen. It won't be perfect at first. It's not going to be a great voice. Well, it may be. I mean, God can do whatever he wants. But start to learn and train yourself to hear his voice. It's still. It's a, The Bible says you'll hear a voice behind you, a still voice, that says to go to the left or go to the right. And you have to listen for that. Sometimes you've got to shut out the noise. Sometimes you have to go on your walk and not turn on music. Sometimes you just have to get quiet before God and listen to what he's saying. Shannon, I know we're at the uh, at the top of the hour, so I'm going to hand it back to you, my friend. I hope this has been a blessing for someone. 